0: Good morning. morning. Wow, it's great to see you all this morning. It's so good to be back with you. Um, I'm sure we've got a lot of people watching online this morning. Those temperatures are not so kind out there. And so welcome if you're joining us online. We are so glad you're here. And to all of you who who uh, toughed it out and showed up this morning. We're glad you're here. Um, I want to share with you a call to worship as we prepare uh, to open our hearts for the Lord this morning, and we welcome him into this place. So let's read from Psalm 63, reading verses 2 through 5. I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. My prayer this morning is that we would praise him with songs of joy. He is our good Lord. He is here. He is with us, and he is worthy of our praise. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me? God, we pause in this moment to welcome you into this place. Lord, we pray that you would make your presence known to us this morning. God, I pray that you would meet each and every person that's, that's here and those that are watching from home. I pray that you would meet us right where we are this morning. Lord, we are hungry for you. We recognize our great need for you. So God, I pray and trust that you will meet us and you will give us exactly what we need this morning. Lord, we are delighted to be in your house, in your presence, and we offer up our praise to you this morning. We love you, and we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. One, two,
1: one, two, three, four. Happy New Year. Please stand and sing with us this morning. These are the days of Elijah bearing the word of the lord and these are the days of your servant moses righteousness of the Lord is laid for your faith in his excellent word what more can he say than to you he has said to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled fear not he is with us oh be not dismayed For He is our God, our sustainer and strength. He'll be our defender and cause us to stand, upheld by His merciful, almighty hand. truth. Travel-
0: Man, what an appropriate song for this day, this Epiphany Sunday, which we'll talk more about in just a few moments. But first, I just want to lead us into a time of prayer and recognition this morning that it is indeed a new year, the second day of a new year. Happy New Year! Um, And all that comes with that, the exciting changes that might be coming our way, the changes that we might be uh, making in our own lives, the goals and aspirations that we might have. But I have to tell you this morning, uh, I didn't want to stand up here and just... You know, pretend that this brand new year is starting off really fantastic for everyone. I know that there are a lot of people in our congregation that are experiencing a lot of difficult things this morning. We know that several of our um, our family members here at BFCN are mourning the loss of family members this morning um, over Christmas. That's hard. That's really hard. I know that several of our folks are sick. And just struggling physically. We remember Everett this morning. We're thankful that he is home and is doing well. But I know that it was a scary go at it for him and for his family. So we remember him this morning and Donna. Um, our extended family has experienced a very unexpected loss this morning. And so we're processing that. And there's just there's just a lot. And I just wanted to acknowledge that while the new year is an exciting fresh start, some of us are, are just already struggling from the get-go, right? And so I just want to acknowledge that and, and give us space to pray for the grief that we ourselves might be experiencing, but also for the grief that our brothers and sisters might be experiencing this morning. Um, so would you just come to the Lord in prayer, come to seek him this morning as we pray together? God, we come before you this morning so grateful, Lord, for the joy of Christmas that we still hold dear in our hearts. Lord, we truly can celebrate that joy knowing that you have come, that you are here, you do indeed dwell among us, and we know that you are coming again. And Lord, it's because of this Truth, this truth that we build our lives upon, it's because of this truth that we can experience a deep abiding sense of joy. And Lord, we are thankful that we have that joy deep within us. And and Lord, for those who don't have that joy, I pray, God, that you would draw near to them in such a powerful and overwhelming way that they do sense that deep abiding joy that only you can give. But God, we also acknowledge this morning that while we might say that we have a deep abiding joy, a lot of us are also carrying grief this morning. We know that there are a lot of us who are experiencing difficult days. And so, Lord, we remember one another this morning. We remember those who are grieving the loss of loved ones, especially the loss of loved ones that's experienced over what should be a happy, joyful time, Lord. God, would you draw near to those families that are mourning this morning? God, we pray for strength. In the midst of these losses, there's great strength that is needed. God, we recognize that we need a peace that passes all understanding. Lord, we pray for those in our congregation that are dealing with sickness this morning. God, we know that there are a lot of people who are sick, and so we remember them this morning. We pray, Lord, that you would touch them. God, we trust in your healing power, and we pray that over our loved ones this morning. Lord, we pray for anyone that might be struggling emotionally this morning. Maybe there are some that are struggling relationally. Maybe there are some that are struggling mentally, Lord. We pray that you would draw near to them. God, we pray that you give them what only you can give them, your strength, your joy, your peace, your comfort. God, there are some in our midst that are going through big life changes this morning. And Lord, we just pray that you would draw near to those who are just entering into a new season of life. Along with changes is a lot of unknown, and that can be exciting, but it can also be scary. And so, Lord, I just pray for those this morning who are going through these life changes, and I just pray, God, that you would guide them. Lord, be their guide, be their light. God, I pray that as we enter into this new year that we would fix our eyes on you. God, we rely on you to be our guiding light. As we, as the BFC and community, as we seek to follow you and to minister to our community and minister to those around us, God, we recognize that we can't do that without you. And so, Lord, we intentionally refocus our hearts and our minds And we fix our eyes on you, the one who guides us and leads us. We know, Lord, that any efforts we make on our own will fall short. And so, God, this morning we declare, Lord, we need you. We need you to guide us. Lord, show us where you want us to go in this new year. Show us, God, what it is you want us to do. God, I pray that you would move in a new and fresh way in our congregation. God, I pray that you would move in a new and fresh way in our homes, in our families. God, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for being one who is always with us. And we know that when we face hard days, we know that when we face things like sickness and death and grief, we know that we don't face these things alone, that you are always with us and you will never leave us. And for that, we are grateful, Lord. God, I just pray that you would continue to move in this service. Speak to us this morning, Lord. Open up our hearts. God, I pray that these words that have been prepared this morning, that they would not just be my words, but that they would be anointed by your Holy Spirit and that you would speak to each person what he or she needs to hear from you today. And we pray this confidently and hopefully in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen well today um, I want to share with you today is Epiphany Sunday and for those of you who might not be familiar I don't I just don't always want to assume that everybody in the room is familiar with the Christian calendar with the liturgical calendar and kind of the rhythms and the days and so um, I never want to assume that we're all familiar with what these days are and so if you're not familiar with Epiphany I just want to share with you this morning that on Thursday January 6th marks the Day of Epiphany on the Christian calendar. And so many churches will acknowledge that today. Uh, Some might acknowledge that next Sunday, but many will acknowledge that today. And so for a lot of congregations, today marks this season of Epiphany that leads us up until the beginning of Lent. Um, once again, we notice the slight differences of between our calendars, between our secular calendars, and then the Christian liturgical calendar. Because on our calendars, it's New Year, right? We are January 2nd, 2022. It's a new year. It's a fresh start. And along with that comes a lot of, of changes for a lot of people. Anybody else already start cleaning their house out this week? I've got a head start on that. We are getting organized, reorganized. Still trying to figure out where we're going to land permanently housewise, but by golly, our house is organized and it will stay that way. Hopefully, the entire year. Um, a lot of us are making new goals. We're setting new goals for ourselves. We're trying to get in healthy habits we're trying to get rid of some unhealthy habits, right? So on our calendar, the one that we use daily, we recognize that this is a new year. It's a new, fresh space that we find ourselves in. But we balance that uh, sometimes with the rhythms of the Christian or liturgical calendar, and we recognize things like Advent and today being Epiphany. So what is Epiphany, you might ask? Epiphany is a Christian feast day that marks the coming or the revelation of God in Christ. Um, we might understand the word epiphany. If you were just using that in a sentence, you you understand that word to mean a sudden perception, a, a suddenly understanding the meaning of something. Suddenly you are enlightened. You now know something that you didn't previously know and it stands out to you. It's a discovery. It's a realization. For a lot of us, it's that aha moment when you get it. I love having those moments when you get it, you know, when it just clicks and you finally get it and you understand. And that's what we're going to see in our passage today. We're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 2 and we're going to see this aha moment. But that aha moment comes from some very unlikely people. It's not who you would expect and this is what we've kind of come to expect by now right that things happen in a very different way and it happens in a way that we didn't necessarily see coming and that's what we see in today's passage this unlikely group of people these outsiders you could call them are going to have this epiphany this aha moment when they find themselves in the presence of Christ the king of the Christ child so this morning I want you to stand I'm going to invite you to stand if you can We're going to read from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. This is the word of the Lord. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of the Lord this morning. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. You see, what we see in this passage today, in this passage we see this epiphany that was had by many in the text who recognize God incarnate. This this epiphany that we see in this text recognizes the manifestation of Christ, but not only to the Jews, but now to outsiders, to Gentiles. You see, this epiphany that's described in Matthew's gospel, it recognizes and realizes the incarnation of God, the manifestation of Christ to the entire world, that God has come to and for all people. This is an interesting story, right? One that you might be somewhat familiar with, but maybe you've never dug really deep into, um, you know, kind of the context of this story. But this is an interesting story where you have this group of outsiders who are who are in pursuit. They are looking for this king, this king of the Jews. Here's what you need to know when you're reading about the Magi when you're thinking about this story. What you need to know, because I've always wondered when I've read this story in the past, I've always wondered, like, I know that the Magi followed this star, but what led them to begin this journey where they were following the star? Like, what happened before that? Because the story just picks up with these random guys that are following the star, but what happened before? What led them to even begin following this star? And so I'm going to dig in deep to some details this morning, so just bear with me. I find it really fascinating and interesting. I did a lot of studying this week and learned a lot of new things that I think that... You might like to know as we think about this story. And so I want to kind of start off with what the Greek word for magi means. So when we read this word magi in our translations, that original Greek word means a number of things, but something along the lines of sorcerer, magician, wizard, or astrologer. Did you know this about the word magi? That that's what this word means. That that in other words, these could be sorcerers or magicians or wizards. But most likely, they were um, astrologers, right? So scholars note that they were likely astrologists. But but another thing that's interesting is that these were pagan zodiacs. Okay, and if you wanna put something in your Google for later, if you wanna look up and go like on a little rabbit trail, you can Google Zoroastrian priests and kind of get an idea for who these men were religiously, kind of what they believed and which God they followed. And that's who is coming to look for Jesus. These pagan astrologers are coming to find Jesus, and they find him by what? Following and paying attention to a star. We always know, we've always known that this is how this story goes. But when you really think about it, doesn't it sound just a little bit hokey? It's one of those things that if you heard this today, you would be somewhat skeptical, right? We would be somewhat skeptical, like you're paying attention to the stars and you're kind of orienting what you do next around what the stars are doing um, not all of us really get into that kind of thing and so if you heard that today you might be a little bit skeptical i really appreciated what nt wright had to say about this i read a lot from him this week and he talks about how in the ancient world particularly east of palestine people had developed the study of the stars and the planets to a fine art. And a lot of you might already know this. A lot of this isn't necessarily new information. But it's something to remember that that when people in the ancient world, when they looked up in the sky, everything had a particular meaning, didn't it? Everything meant every star, every planet had a meaning. There was a story behind it. It symbolized something. And, And people in the ancient world believed that everything in the world, that all creation was one. And that when something big happened, it must be reflected in the heavens. It must be reflected in the stars. It must be acknowledged in the sky. And this particular star that the Magi followed, it was so bright. It was so big. It was so unusual that they couldn't help but follow it. It's possible, scholars believe that it's very possible that this star that the Magi followed was the conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn. That might not be new information to you, but do any of you recall when we were supposed to have seen that star last year? Uh, I don't remember being able to see it last year, but I think it was December 21st of 2020. Did anybody here see the Christmas star last year? Anybody witness it? I have a picture for you, and it's probably you know going to be hard to really see it. But that's not it, right? That's not it. Oh, is that it? Yeah, that is it. I'm sorry. <laughs> it looked different. That's a really good picture. It looks really good, but you can see it back there. You can see that star. And, and so a lot of people last year saw this star, this conjunction of Saturn and Jupiter, and that's believed to be the Christmas star. And scholars believe that that could have been this big event that happened, and that could have been this star that the Magi followed. But let me get even nerdier just for a second. Let me get a little deeper for a second. If it was Jupiter and Saturn, here's what's interesting about that. Jupiter was known as the royal or the kingly planet, which you probably know. That might be pretty common knowledge if you're at all interested in the planets or or reading about the stars in space. Jupiter's known as this royal or kingly planet, but Saturn was thought to be the planet that represented the Jewish people. And you could Google that too if you want to know why. I don't want to bore you with that up here, but I got on that rabbit trail and it's really interesting why a lot of people in the ancient world connected Saturn with the Jewish people. And so isn't it interesting then to think about that? And, and this is all just kind of a possibility, right? And There's nothing saying that this is factual, that this is actually what happened and why the Magi came and what led them there. But isn't it interesting to think about that? That if it was Saturn and Jupiter, and if Jupiter is known as the kingly or, or royal planet and Saturn is the planet that represents the Jews, doesn't that make a lot more sense when you get to the beginning of this passage and the Magi ask the question where is the one who has been born king of the Jews the stars have acknowledged it the sky has acknowledged it this is big and we are following this it's 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 pretty easy to understand once you understand some of those details right so the story starts off with with kind of this interesting bang if you will where these magi they're following this star but there's a lot other there's a lot of other things going on in this story there's complex things happening in this story the magi they they follow the star and they go to where Herod is where King Herod is because that's where kings are born right it makes sense that they go to where Herod is that they go to this kingly place because that's where kings ought to be born And if this is such a big deal that the sky is reflecting it, that the stars are reflecting it, then we go where we know kings are. So they go to where Herod is, but they don't find a Christ child, do they? They find a king who is not very happy to hear about this news. They find a king who is is not a Christ child, but he is threatened and intimidated by this so-called king of the Jews Christ child because after all Herod was the king of the Jews and so if you have people coming in Herod's place talking about hey do you happen to know where this king of the Jews that's been born where we could find him that's incredibly intimidating and threatening to Herod who he himself is the king of the Jews. In Herod's mind, it's, how could there be another and a child? I need to know more about this. And we read in the passage that Herod is incredibly disturbed. And what you need to know about Herod is that if Herod is disturbed, then all of Jerusalem is disturbed. Because Herod was kind of known as an unpredictable hothead. And if he was intimidated, if his power was threatened, you just never knew what the man was going to do. This man was known to have killed a wife and two sons because he thought they were trying to stage a coup and overthrow him. And so he doesn't mess around. And if you, as you read the passage, the story as it goes on, we didn't read it today, but you will find that indeed Herod does very unspeakable, disturbing, horrific things as his power is being threatened. Herod was such a disturbing guy that it was believed, I found this interesting this week, it was believed that Roman Emperor Augustus said about Herod that he would rather be Herod's pig than his son because at least the pigs were safe. That's the kind of guy we're dealing with here. Just just to kind of set the stage, that's the kind of person that we are dealing with. And so Herod is trying to figure out what's going on. He's confused and and disturbed at this news. And so he turns to the chief priests and the teachers and the scholars of the law who can help him understand what these weird outsiders are talking about. What is going on? And so he asked the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and they, as we read in the passage, they tell him. They turn to the prophets. They read scripture, and they tell Herod what happened. And that's all fine and well, but does anyone else find it interesting that in this story, it's not necessarily how it happened, I guess, but in this story that we hear about this big, life-changing, earth-shattering news from these pagan astrolog- or astronomers, <laughs> i got my, my space terms mixed up here. We hear about this news from these pagan zodiacs before we hear this news from the religious scholars and leaders of the day. Does anyone else find that interesting? Like, why weren't they already talking about that? Why wasn't that already something that was major news? And maybe it was, but... At that moment, that's when we find out about this Messiah, the one who who has been prophesied about for years and years. What does that say? Once again, we see this theme a lot in the New Testament. What does that say about not only what the people of God seemingly missed, right? We see that a lot. The people of God, the ones who were the insiders, the ones who should have known everything and expected everything, they seem to miss a lot. And what does that say about the people of God and what they seemingly miss? But also, what does it say about God and who he's willing to use and just how far he's willing to go? That if the insiders don't get it, if the insiders aren't following it, then God is not afraid to draw in anyone, even those on the outside, even people who we would consider kind of be a little hokey and weird, God will will use them, right? We see just how far God is willing to go to reach the world. And so as we read this passage, we see that the chief priests and the teachers of the law, they they turn to the scriptures, to the prophecies, and sure enough, they say, sure enough, as they read in Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, you're going to find a ruler who will shepherd Israel. You will find this child. You will find this king. There's a number of prophecies in the Old Testament that we could turn to as we see that this was said to have ha- that this will happen. This particular one comes from Micah, but, but if you turn to Isaiah 60, you'll see kind of this, this warning that there's this speaking of, of Gentile nations being drawn to the light of Israel. In Isaiah 60, we read, arise, shine. For your light has come and the glory of God rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Herds of camels will cover your land, young camels of Midian and Ephah, and all the, all from Sheba will come bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. Psalm 72 points to and speaks of Gentile kings that come that are going to bring their gifts and bow down. Psalm 72 says, May the kings of Tarshish and of distant shores bring tribute to him. May the kings of Sheba and Saba present him gifts. May all kings bow down to him and all nations serve him. For he will deliver the needy who cry out, the afflicted who have no help. He will take pity on the weak and the needy and save the needy from death. He will rescue them from oppression and violence, for precious is their blood in his sight. We could go on and on, but but the prophecies are indeed fulfilled. The Magi, they follow this star, Gentile outsiders, they follow this star. They follow the star to, to find Jesus at home with his parents. Jesus is probably a toddler at this point. He's not a baby in a manger anymore. He's likely a toddler, but they find him at home with his parents, and they present him with these gifts these gifts that, that many, par- Mary, many songs, parodies have been written about these gifts because we don't quite understand them, do we? We don't quite understand what the baby, two-year-old baby Jesus and his mom are supposed to do with these gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Unless Mary can go and exchange these for some diapers to kind of stock up and be ready, I don't know what else they're supposed to do with them because I imagine it being more like we're going to put these on the high shelf and we're going to tell Jesus, don't touch those, Jesus. Jesus. They're very expensive and breakable, so it kind of seems a little weird, but at the same time, maybe, again, it's a reminder that the Magi caught what others missed. Maybe that was them seeing something that, that others didn't quite notice at first. See, these gifts, they would have been culturally appropriate for the Magi. This would have been very appropriate for them to bring to this king, but they also affirm prophecies spoken about this king, don't they? These gifts—they're representative of Christ, who He is, and maybe even what lies ahead. But what's even more incredible than the Magi bringing these gifts is that they come to the place. Can you picture it? They come to the place where Jesus is, and they're overwhelmed. They are overwhelmed and overjoyed as they enter into this place where this toddler baby King is, and they—it appears that they just fall on the floor prostrate, just fall on the floor to worship him. It reminds me of when Elizabeth comes to see, or when Mary comes to see Elizabeth. And Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist and Mary is pregnant with Jesus. It reminds me of that moment where Elizabeth says, oh my goodness, the child that I'm carrying has just leaped for joy. This is big. This is huge. And I just picture that same thing happening when the the magi come And they see Jesus, and and they can't help but be overwhelmed. They're overcome, and they fall down, and they worship him because somehow they know this is different. This is big. This is huge. This begs and demands a response. So this is the passage on Epiphany Sunday. This is the epiphany The question is, what are we to gain from this passage? What does this passage, one that is maybe seldom told but profoundly rich, what does it have to offer us? And I think there are several implications to consider, but maybe it's helpful if we just kind of pause and allow the Holy Spirit to speak whatever that unique message is that he needs to speak to us this morning. Would you make space? Would you make space for him to do that? Maybe this morning, some of you need to be reminded that no one, and I mean no one, is outside the bounds and the reach of God's love, God's relentless love. Maybe we need to be reminded as we see that that this is the beginning of all Gentiles being gathered in through Christ, that among the first to worship the Christ child are these Gentiles, these pagan zodiacs. They are some of the first to worship Jesus. It's a reminder that no one is outside the bounds and the reach of God's love. We're reminded once again of those who completely missed it, or who, it, by, by what it, by, it just seems like they completely missed it. But does God stop because they miss it? No. God continues to work through the most unlikely people. And so for those of you this morning who maybe just feel like outsiders for whatever reason, no matter who you are, what you've done, where you're at on this journey, just know that God's love doesn't stop. It doesn't stop chasing you. And you're invited. You're invited to come into the circle We can't help this morning, but notice, maybe for others, we just notice Herod's destructive pride and what pride can do to us, right? If we're not careful, if that pride that we have about ourselves goes unchecked, it can lead to disastrous decisions and unhealthy behaviors. I think we can all agree that Herod's behaviors go beyond unhealthy. They're, they're, it's unimaginable, right? But, but it's a reminder of what our pride can do. It leads to fear and insecurities and anxieties, and they ultimately led Herod to reject Christ the king. It's a reminder of what happens when we hunger for power, whether that's for ourselves or for those who we hold in high regard. We want the people we think to have all the power. We want them to have all the power. And when that power is threatened, it can be destructive. Maybe it's a reminder this morning, this passage is a reminder that through the power of God, sometimes we need to discern when we need to take an alternate route. Sometimes we find that that particular people or a particular group or particular ideas or ways of thinking are harmful and dangerous. And when the Magi saw from God, heard from God, that this guy is dangerous, you need to go another way, it's a reminder that sometimes we need to take another route and steer clear of the people who are dangerous, the people who are are saying things that are dangerous, maybe things about God that are untrue, May God give us that discernment to know when we too need to take an alternate route and steer clear from the things that are going to pull us away from God. Maybe it's a reminder that the Magi had to move to follow the light. That sometimes to follow the light, it means that you can't remain still. You have to get up. You have to go. You have to do something. Maybe it's a reminder that while yes, Christmas is over, almost, Advent is over, but Jesus is here. Jesus has come. God is indeed with us. And so the questions that I want to leave us with this morning as you contemplate what this passage might mean for you or what God wants to say to you, some questions I want us to consider are... Will we continue to seek him in this new year? Will we continue to seek him? And if so, where are we looking? Where will we find God and what he's doing? Are we willing to continue journeying, even if it means that it's going to be dark sometimes? Because the Magi, for them, it was a long, dark journey. And so sometimes we, we need to remind ourselves that even though we journey in darkness, are we still going to continue to journey even when it's difficult? Will we take alternate routes if necessary to seek God and to find him? We need to ask this morning, where is Jesus working in our community and how can we find him and discover what he's doing Are we looking in familiar places? Are we looking in unlikely places? Are we limiting God and who he's working through and where he's working? Will we continue to seek God in this new year as we continue to think about the things that we wanna do, the changes we wanna make, the goals that we want to achieve? That's all great. But will we continue to seek God in this new year and will we look for what God is doing? And finally, this morning, Are we willing to go where God, the light, is leading us? Are we willing to go? As the praise team comes back up and and as we prepare for a time of response... You know, it's typical for a lot of churches on the first Sunday of the year to do what they call a Wesley Covenant Renewal Service. And it's a very structured liturgical service. There's lots of reading and response, and it's, very, uh, it's, it's congregational. And so I, I kind of looked over that this morning, because there is a lot to be found in that service, in that, in that covenant service. But this morning, I, I wanted to share with you just a little excerpt that's a prayer. And I want to invite you to bow your heads this morning as I lead us in this prayer. The prayer goes like this. God, let me be your servant. Let me follow your commands. I will no longer follow my own desires. God, I give myself completely to your will. The power and strength to live as true servants is given to us in Christ. We accept the place and work that he gives us, acknowledging that he alone will be our reward. God, I declare this morning that I am not my own, I am yours alone. God, make me into what you will. Rank me with those you will. Put me to use for you. Put me to suffering for you. Let me be employed for you. Let me be laid aside for you. Let me be lifted high for you. Let me be brought low for you. Let me be full or let me be empty. Let me have all things or let me have nothing. With a willing heart, God, I freely give everything to your pleasure and to your disposal. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Please stand and sing this song with us this morning.
0: Father, for giving us your Son, and leaving your Spirit till the work on earth is done. Church, there is a lot of work to be done. Amen? There's a lot of work to be done. And as we prepare for communion this morning, I want to give everyone the opportunity to raise your hand if you weren't able to get communion elements, and we'll make sure we get those to you. It looks like everybody has them. Oh, we've got one in the back over here. But as we prepare for communion this morning, I just want to leave you with my final thoughts. that I, I hope you were kind of able to discern what it was that the Lord was speaking to you through that message. But I, I want to share with you what stood out to me the most during this passage as I studied it this week. What stood out to me the most was that while the Magi journeyed, they journeyed, it was long, and they journeyed in darkness I was reminded this week that they did not journey alone, that there were probably more than three. That's kind of a traditional belief that we have, but it was likely a larger group, and they journeyed together. And I really liked how the message says, the message speaking for the Magi says, we are on a pilgrimage to worship him. And I think that's so beautiful and such a a good reminder for us that, that church, we are on a journey together, that we are on this pilgrimage together. We're on this holy expedition, and it's important that we don't go it alone. This is the story of a journey of discovery that happens in community. I want to continue to journey. I want to find God. I want to follow the light. But I know that I can't do that alone. I know that we can't do that alone. So it's important that we continue to seek community and discipleship as we seek Jesus and as we walk with him daily. So as we prepare for the table, to gather at the table this morning... God, I pray that you would bless this bread and this cup to our bodies. And God, I pray that you would bless our bodies for your service. God, we recognize that we can't do this alone, that we need one another. But first and foremost, God, we need you. We need you to guide us, to be our light. And this morning, we remind ourselves that we gather at this table so that we might in a, in a mysterious way, we might not understand it, but God, we trust that you will give us more of you. You will fill us up when we're empty so that we can pour ourselves out for others. So God, I just pray that you would do that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. On the night that our Lord was betrayed, he took some bread and he broke it. And he gave it to the disciples and said, take this and eat. This is my body that was broken for you. So this morning I invite you to take and eat and be thankful. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he shared it with the disciples and he said, this cup. This is the blood of my new of the new covenant that was poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. So this morning may we take and drink and be thankful. We trust in the one that goes before us and walks beside us. And it's a joy to walk in community with you as we continue to seek the Lord. And as we continue to look at where God is going and what God is doing. Amen. Amen. Well, before you leave this morning, I just want to share a few quick announcements with you. There's really just two. Um, One is that we originally were going to be uh, taking down all of the Christmas decorations tonight, but we've actually decided to go ahead and do that right after service this morning, just because with the weather being as cold as it is, we're not really sure who's going to come back out tonight. And so if you're able, we know that not everybody will be able to, but if you are able to stay and, and if you'd like to help us, we're going to do that right after service and knock that out real quick, okay? Um, So that's what all the hustle and bustle will be about. And then finally, uh, there's baby bottles out in the foyer for our annual baby bottle campaign that we do in partnership with Mosaic Pregnancy Center. So we invite you to grab a baby bottle and fill it up with your change, um, and we'll let you know when we need those back and um, just pay attention to that. But let's go ahead and and be faithful in doing that so that we can support this very, uh, this important, much-needed ministry, okay? And I invite you to stand this morning? Brothers and sisters in Christ, may you go in the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May you continue to seek him and know that you don't journey alone this morning. Go in his peace. You are dismissed.